1: You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media.
0: Kevin, you know what I know about you? What? You're an amazing mom. (laughs) So you are going to want to hear this. Prep dish is going to save you so much time because it's a meal planning service. Every week you get an email with a grocery list and a prep ahead list and then all your meals are ready for the week.
1: You're right. So then I can take the time that I would have spent, I don't know, say watching football and instead I can start preparing meals for the next week and people will say, mom, (laughs) Super Mom, Super Mom. This is great because I have such a crazy schedule. This is a big time saver for me.
0: It is Preptish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. When you sign up, you get that email every week with everything you need to know, your grocery list, your instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. after just like one or two or three hours of prep time on the weekend. All your meals are ready for the week. Remember that delicious lasagna we had where the noodles were actually zucchini?
1: It was so good for me. It
0: was good for you. And
1: delicious. And
0: delicious. And it only took a few minutes because I had prepped everything in advance. Is and that why they call it Prep Dish? That's why they call it Prep Dish.
1: They're smart. There. They
0: are smart. So, just for our listeners, Allison at Prep Dish, who is the chef nutritionist who plans all of these recipes, Allison! is offering a special deal. Her name is True. Go to slash stories for this deal. Again, that is prepdish.com slash stories. And you'll get your first two weeks for free. It's a no brainer. It's like having a personal meal planner, except it's cheap. You don't have to be rich to do it. And you get to be a super mom, right? Right. So go to preptish.com slash stories for this great deal. Save time. Eat well. It's all good.
1: Now, folks, if you haven't heard of Madison Reed, well, you haven't been listening to this podcast.
0: <laughs> or seen my hair.
1: Yeah, it's the future of hair color. Madison Reed believes in a better way. They believe in beautiful, naturally healthy-looking hair that all women deserve. That's why they make their hair color in Italy, just outside of Milan, according to strict EU standards that require complete transparency. EU, that's not like EU. That's no, that's like, like Europe. Oh, okay, that's good.
0: <laughs> Where they actually care about the environment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better yet, Madison Reed is the first ever hair color free of ammonia, parabens, resorcinol, PPD, phthalates, and gluten.
0: Look at my hair. Forget all those chemical names. Look at my hair.
1: You are Becky with the good hair.
0: I am a Madison Reed client, and I love it.
1: So if you're looking for gorgeous hair made with ingredients with integrity, go to madison-reed.com and take their easy color quiz to find the perfect shade. Get 10% off, plus free shipping on your first color kit using promo code WRITERS. Writers. That's madison-reed.com and promo code WRITERS.
0: WRITERS. I'm Rebecca Lavoy and this is Crime Writers on, the podcast about other podcasts and also about journalism, pop culture, true crime, and this week updates in the Adnan Syed case, a journalism bully, and our review of the podcast Suspect Convictions. Should you listen? We will let you know. So Joining me right now is the host of These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast, my true crime co-author, real-life husband, and 100% maybe not so much suppressive person, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Are we
1: still on Scientology?
0: No, that was just left over in my script from last oh, week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a copy and paste mistake, and I'm going to leave it in. Go for it. Because so I'm not 100% convinced you're not a suppressive person. Oh, I'm
1: totally suppressive.
0: Also joining us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed PI, certified cat lady, and super hot ski bunny, Laura
4: Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. I love how my title keeps changing. Um, So I am the queen of the green circles right now, man. Green circles. What does that mean? That is the easiest oh, you know, ski on the ski trail. Circles. Yeah, that's my <laughs> ski trail. Yeah, I am like the ambassador oh. for the green circle side of the mountain. My family doesn't even ski with me anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm actually a green <laughs> skier, maybe blue on a perfect powdery warm day. But I'm a fair weather skier in yeah. my old age I, myself.
1: I'm totally blue blue label that is
0: <laughs> because you were all about aperi ski <laughs> baby that's right and finally back in the warm arms of our podcasting family is the very talented noir novelist and always delightful naysayer Toby Ball hello toby
5: k paso hey toby
1: <laughs> toby where did Senora. where did you go on your vacation can
5: you tell us i was in costa rica Oh, which is fabulous! I've never been to Costa Rica before. I really want to go there. It is awesome. Yeah. What are your impressions? Yeah, it's really cool. Well, we spent we spent the first like four nights up in the mountains, and uh, you so kidnapped? we were on the side. <laughs> yes, uh, but it was worth it. We were on the side of a volcano. Nice. Which is Ooh. which is pretty cool because you. I would think you know, it'd be pretty the warm. The volcano is like this whole system, you know. So there's all these like thermal mud pools and stuff and. So, there are hot springs and hot mud treatments. And we did zip lining, did uh, horseback riding to these crazy waterfalls, saw a ton of monkeys.
0: It sounds like you could have modeled for the cover of a romance novel on this trip. I know.
5: I could have. Um, And then we went to the beach, and the beach was awesome, too. Um,
4: More romance novel uh, modeling.
5: More romance. I can see the cover.
4: I can see the cover right now, Toby. On his horse, riding with the waterfall in the background. Long,
1: flowing hair.
5: My my face on Fabio's body. Yes.
1: The open shirt. The open, ruffled yeah. shirt. So, Costa
5: Rica, we got in at 3 o'clock this morning. Wow.
0: So, you're fried. So, if
5: I'm less coherent than usual... That's probably a part of the reason, and uh, yeah, Costa Rica is. I highly, highly recommend it. So,
0: well, maybe we can get Costa Rica to sponsor this podcast. And, oh, they uh, ought ooh. to sponsor
5: this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's send them a copy. <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, Costa Rica Tourism Commission, uh, our podcast has some sponsorship openings if you're interested.
1: Damn it, I am am Googling that (laughs) on my phone right now.
0: So Toby, I'm guessing since you got in at 3 o'clock this morning and had to do all of your homework for tonight's podcast today, you probably didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast that you were not in, did you?
5: Well, I didn't, but I'll tell you a couple things. One is, it sounds like Amelia did a great job. People were very psyched for her.
0: They either loved her or hated her, but mostly loved her.
5: Okay, and, and let well, good and she
0: handled the haters just fine. A girl can stand on her own two feet on Twitter, especially.
5: good. And then, yeah, it's funny, because speaking of Twitter, look, I was just gonna check in and see if she had anything to say on Twitter about her experience. And the tweet that's at the very top of her feed says, Well, I've definitely had my fill of entitled overrated tone deaf white men. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness,
0: Wow,
1: Where is she? Do you
0: think she's talking about Kevin?
5: <laughs> no, well, then I saw it was from 3 September 2016, so she just pinned it, but I thought that was... Gotcha. Oh, okay,
1: Okay, that's funny, yeah.
0: That sounds like our Amelia. She does not hold back. Yeah,
5: so no, the, the answer is no, I haven't, but it, it sounded like there was overwhelming support for... There
0: so, was. So,
1: Toby, you don't want to go to, like, your ex wife's wedding, you know, you just don't just just it's one that you don't have to download. Just move forward, okay? I think,
0: I think it was fun. It was a different texture. I really liked it. Oh,
1: it's great. I mean, we've had guest hosts or uh, guest panelists like Wyric and yes, but we've we had never, Sam Evans Brown. That's
0: true, but we've never had a guest who said that they wanted to take seven hundred fifty million dollars out of Jim Clemente's pocket before.
1: Oh, geez, yeah, yeah. that was fun. Really, she <laughs> stands alone on that, Jim. She, say mean, she legally, stands alone. No, I'm not. No, I mean, legally. If Jim wants to come after okay. us, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another thing that I wanted to fill you guys in on there's a rumor floating around on Twitter, maybe started by me. We got a lot of email this week about the newest episode of Someone Knows Something being particularly full of the things that Kevin in <laughs> our past episodes has said. He doesn't particularly enjoy. So um, I made him come down to the studio and listen to it with me and taped him live as he listened to the episode. So if our listeners, you're interested in hearing what it sounds like when Kevin Flynn is listening to the latest episode of Someone Knows Something, you have two options to hear it. One is you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash partners in crime media, and if you support us at any level. Thank you,
1: Patreon supporters. A buck a
0: month, whatever you want, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, you'll get the audio.
1: They got to hear it first. They
0: already got to hear it. But if you also sign up for our newsletter at crimewriterson.com, which doesn't cost a thing, I'll be sending out an email sometime next week that will include a link to the audio of me forcing Kevin to listen to a podcast that he hates. And it delivers. That's all I'm going to say about
1: it. And I just don't want any shit from anybody about it. (laughs) I got pulled into Square Egg Studio not knowing what was going to happen.
0: That's right. But it's a good listen. I recommend it highly. So... I think it's time for us to go into the part of the episode where we talk about real-life things that have happened related to real-life content. Do you are looking to at me like that? you want
1: me to do that thing. Do
0: that thing. True, True Crime, Crime Podcast
1: Update. update. <laughs> I try to give it a different, you know, read every yeah, time. Yeah, we can tell. Yeah, we right. can
0: tell. So, Kevin, there's big news in the Adnan Syed case. What's going on there?
1: Well, you know, the state filed a leave to appeal, meaning they're actually asking for the right to submit... An appeal to a three-panel judge. So the state won this round in the ongoing appeal for Adnan Syed. So the Maryland courts don't have to grant leave, meaning they don't have to grant an appeal. And they don't often do it, but this time they did. So now the state can actually take that appeal decision and move on to this judicial panel. And they are appealing the decision to overturn Adnan's conviction.
0: Now, my understanding is actually multiple appeals that were approved yeah. that are moving forward, and Adnan has to win, not all of them, but like two of them,
1: it's, or one of them. Yeah, the state has to win across the board. They have because, to win all of them. Right, because right. remember, uh, Adnan prevailed, but all of the original arguments that went to, into the PCR hearing, the post-conviction relief hearing, will be brought up at this appeal. So the strongest, of course, is ineffective assistance of counsel due to the cell tower evidence. Yes. That's going to be the big thing that they're going to look at. Right. They're also going to look... Look at Asia McLean's testimony. The defense has cross-appealed on that, so they're actually appealing that the judge should have also overturned the conviction based on Asia's eyewitness testimony. There's also that that third um, – there, there's a third argument about ineffective assistance of counsel due to not offering the, the plea bargain. Right. That, that will probably also come up. It's, it's the weakest of the three. But all – that the defense has to do is win on one of those points.
0: And then it moves forward to and that means the, that the next phase of whatever it is.
1: Correct. It would mean that the overturning of his conviction stands.
0: So are we going to have another big long protracted like multi-day This
1: thing no. Yes. What is no, this? there's no uh there's no new evidence introduced, there's no eyewitness testimony or, or anything like that. It's like arguing in front of the Supreme Court. They've got like a you know a certain amount of time and they're just doing oral arguments. One side makes their argument and the other side makes theirs. The basically this panel is trying to determine whether or not the lower court judge made any errors in interpreting the law and that's that.
0: And I assume it's going to take some period of time for them to decide. Yeah. And then how long after that, say he does win one of these things, how long until there's a new trial or a new something?
1: Oh, well, like we said before, it doesn't. in this case, it really doesn't matter who wins or loses because whoever the loser is is very likely to appeal to a higher court, which the highest court in the state of Maryland is the Court of uh, Special Appeals, I believe it is. Yeah. And so what they'll do is they'll hear it all over again and- then, you know, if Adnan still is victorious and his conviction is overturned, we may have another trial or there may be a plea offer or something else might happen. But it's still likely to be up to two years.
5: So so it's almost definitely going to end up at a higher court. Yeah, al- yeah, almost, almost assuredly. And this is a completely ignorant question, but why don't they just go straight there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> when I just started top. That's a fantastic it's question. It's, yeah, it's not such a bad question. Uh, because that's not the way the American judicial system works, Toby. I was going to ask not Laura. Not everybody can afford to go, get, go all the way up there.
0: Well, I was going to ask Laura the question.
4: Like, Laura, as someone who worked in defense, why does this shit take so long? It, oh, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, it's it's not even just criminal cases. You know, all cases. It's like... They file a motion, then they have a certain period of time to respond, and then the other side responds, and then they have a certain period. I mean, it's just so dragged out. And, and I think it sounds like this was an attempt to sort of circumvent that system. But in the in the end, it's just dragging it out even longer. So it's all about like, you know, making sure that everybody got their say and that all the issues are explored. But it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like hurry up and wait.
1: Well, all those higher courts, whether you're talking about a an appeals court, uh, the state Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court, they actually make a decision beforehand on whether or not they will hear the case. Right. In the U.S. Supreme Court, it's called a writ of Satori. Right. Did I say that right, Laura?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah.
1: All right. I'm gonna go. We'll go back and add that later. No, I think that's right. Okay.
0: Basically, they have they have like some things that they do to weigh whether or not a right. case because like anybody it has right. to have standing. It has to have you know
1: all the things that right. And sort of also get. has to be something that they feel like they need to weigh in on. Right. That it there also, may that there's a chance that there there may be an issue here that they want to weigh in a on. a new issue. Same thing. And if you look at you follow your state supreme court rulings when they come out, they're not just sitting around waiting for a murder case. They're doing civil cases, divorces, doing family court. Yep. They're doing every bit of of jurisprudence. There is. They're looking at these cases that come up on appeal, and people think that the law was interpreted incorrectly in their hearing, and they're doing all of these things. So you're saying, well, what's this three judge? It's only three judges sitting on a panel. Can't they do it tomorrow? It's
0: like American Idol.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a lot of hearing. Not hear. I guess hearings and, and scheduling appointments, things like that, that happen ahead of time, and then boom, comes their day. But th- this panel is doing stuff all the time. So yet yeah, this is something of high importance where you've got a, somebody who you're talking about their liberty but it's not like they're just taking the summer off and waiting right. for it to to come around.
0: Yeah, so But it's
1: frustrating it totally. Yeah. It
0: totally is and I will say to our listeners who want more of a primer on what's going on here, uh, this week's undisclosed addendum in the first six minutes of that episode, which features Colin Miller and Susan talking with John Cryer, Colin Miller does a really good job.
1: Legal Surrey
0: Unpacking. <laughs> legal Siri. 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 Unpacking. Uh, Surrey. by the way, is Katie Holmes' Scientologist daughter. Okay. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, Colin Miller does a very good job unpacking all of this technical stuff around this appeal. So if you want more information, I would suggest listening to the first six minutes of this week's undisclosed addendum.
4: So, speaking of Scientology, now that you just mentioned uh, Scientology, I I may be getting really paranoid here, but I had two phone calls from the west coast of Florida last week on my cell phone, unknown numbers, didn't leave a message. I was like, oh, my God. So, why is the west (laughs) coast of Florida significant, Laura? Um, Because that's where the Scientology headquarters are in Clearwater. And I was like, ooh. um, Unless I won like some big trip or something exciting like that, which I highly doubt because there was no message. I was like, oh. It could be them. I could be labeled suppressive or something. I don't know. So Toby, you're lucky you missed out because that could be you.
5: <laughs> Do you have any views on Scientology? Yes. I'm not I'm not like a big Scientology aficionado. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I will say we talked about Scientology in the aftermath last and last week's episode. So listen back to that if you haven't heard it yet. But Kevin and I did watch the final. Was it episode nine? Like this little special they did.
1: Did nine out of eight.
0: Where basically it was it was, it was an AMA. It was basically Leah Remini and Mike Rinder and a couple of journalists and a couple of other like really like qualified people sitting on a couch answering Reddit and viewer questions. I thought it was going to be really boring. I thought it was just like them doing more content. It was so good. So just as a follow-up to the episode we recorded last week, if even if you haven't watched the whole series, Scientology in the Aftermath, that episode nine that had all these journalists on it, really, really compelling episode. It also had a guy on it who was an expert in cults, which was... Very, very interesting. So, Kevin, I want to move on to talk about another real-life thing that happened related to a piece of media that we talked about on the show. So Mm -hmm. um, can you introduce that segment, please?
1: More true crime podcast Podcast updates!
0: (laughs) So something that I heard on a podcast that we all love and hosted by someone who's become somewhat of a friend of mine, at least via email and instant message. I'm talking about Accused, which recently released an update episode that they taped in front of a live audience. In that episode, it's episode nine of Accused, reporter Amber Hunt reveals some new information that she's uncovered related to the case of Elizabeth Andy's murder. And then she and the editorial team in the Cincinnati Enquirer, that's the newspaper where she works, they entertain some questions from the audience. So... It was all going, like, pretty well. People were asking questions about the case, about the evidence, about the podcast. And then this happened. Kevin, can you just hit play on that?
2: Uh, Amber, the reason I'm here is because uh, I sent you a letter some time ago. He didn't respond. I tried to call you a number of times. Okay. You had not responded. I left you messages. You have not responded. My question goes in a totally different direction, which is very simple. that I read your section in full which is about 45 minutes, which I give you credit for because I can read the inquiry in three minutes. So at least they gave me something to read. And as detective stories go, I've read hundreds of them. I've written them over the years. I'm a former reporter. It was good, but not, there was no resolution. You really didn't have any point toward the end of it. It was a whole 16-page section, which is my main argument with Peter. He and I have discussed this before. Do
5: you have a question? Oh, sure I do. How about we get
2: to it? I'll get to it. Which is basically why did you why is the inquirer spending in this inordinate budget that Peter just talked about that kind of money to report a 16 page section when you're missing the news in Cincinnati you guys are covering Pike County you're covering, you're covering <laughs> you're done. no you are. you are I
4: remember I do remember getting an email I do um, but but I'm not gonna respond really well to somebody saying Uh, why did you waste your time writing this story? Because I've talked to her family and her friends, and they have been in tears being so grateful that we still cared. And I do care, and I'm not going to apologize for caring. So I appreciate that you think we should be spending our time some other way. I think we do a damn good job covering Cincinnati, and I'm very proud of the work that I've done here. And uh, and I know that it's meant a lot to our family. So that's okay. If you didn't want to read it, you're welcome to pass that story by. And you don't have to listen to the podcast. But this actually gave my life meaning. Doing this made me feel really good about being alive right now. So I'm not going to apologize for that.
0: All right. So that happened mm. at a live podcast event. And... I, for one...
1: Our podcast listeners came to our live event and brought us wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for one, I was glad they left that in the tape because I think that yeah. the, you know, they could have chosen <clears throat> just to edit that whole thing out. And that guy had a legitimate, you know, some would say legitimate question. The newspaper invested a lot of time and money and two full-time staff members, you know, resources in making this podcast. And the podcast brought the newspaper a lot of page views and a lot of attention that I'm sure has been really, really good for them. But also, as Amber pointed out, the story was worth reporting for her personally and for the family. And also there have been advancements in the story. So, right. um, Toby, did you hear that in episode nine of this podcast or is that the first time that you just heard it?
5: I just heard it just now.
0: OK, what do you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think I th- I'm with you in that I think, you know, why do you put the, the money and the, and the time and effort behind it is that it's it's marketing. You know, newspapers are struggling how to get people to pay attention to your newspaper. And I think that is probably pretty effective in that way. You know, I think that the larger question of, is it responsible for a media outlet that's supposed to be covering all the important things that are going on in a certain area to focus that much of its budget? And I I didn't hear the whole how much that was or whatever, but just assuming that it was quite a bit based on on the question. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a completely legitimate question. If there's stuff that's important that's going on that, that's not being covered. And as far as in, you know, I, I think the reporter's nice and does a good job and stuff. But as far as giving her life meaning, doesn't seem to me to be the the point.
0: Well, Amber did tell me just as a caveat that she would have answered the question differently differently. If she wasn't in the middle of this live event, at which she was like kind of nervous, and she was very you taken aback, yeah, by yeah, it. yeah, yes.
5: right. No, I, I, yes. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not like saying that that would be something she would write out if she had some time to think about it or whatever. But I, I do. I mean, I think the, I think the the objection I, I feel is definitely legitimate, and I can understand why there were people who feel that it's the right decision to make. I guess, but for me. You know, with everything else that's going on, it, it does seem like an interesting way to set your priorities. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Laura? I just I just heard you make a little uh, noise. <laughs> What's going on with you?
4: <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know. I, I've been a reporter for a long time and there are always people that are upset about what you're covering and what you're not covering and what they think you should be covering. So like when I heard this guy start, I was like, oh, it's another one of those wing nuts, like the people that go to the town meeting and then stalk you at the newspaper because you're not covering the story they want you to cover. (laughs) I mean, you know, you've you've experienced them, Kevin, you know, these people. So as soon as I heard that guy's voice, I was like, oh, this is one of those people, (laughs) these people that I used to like hide when I used to see them come walking down the front steps of the newspaper. I'd be like, oh, yeah they come again a reporter i work with calls that guy leon yeah (laughs) well like we had a guy and i remember you know and just to give you an example and he was it was something about headlights on cars that we needed to cover and he would come down week after week and why aren't you covering this this is a real story and you'd be like oh my god but i mean i guess i look at it like newsrooms are changing There is far less staff than there once was. They're having to evolve as things are moving into a digital age and how our newspaper is going to survive. And I think they probably had a lot more people listen to this podcast and read this story than would have read something about like the city budget in Cincinnati. I mean, that's just I I think they probably drew in a lot more audience this way.
0: Yeah, I actually think they're going to grow their audience for reading about the budget because of the story. I mean, this is how I look at it. They were in an auditorium full of people because of this story. Mm-hmm. Who, for now, the Cincinnati Enquirer is a source. I don't think maybe the Cincinnati Enquirer was a source for many of those people before this podcast came out. Could be, yeah. And you know, I know from working in a newsroom that's trying to do this kind of content. I know from being in public radio, um, NPR now has a bunch of podcasts that are designed to expand the footprint and the brand of NPR, so that. For example, when the NPR Politics podcast has a huge audience of millions of people who don't listen to All Things Considered or Morning Edition, it's an opportunity for them to point people to, if you like this podcast, listen to Sam Sanders on All Things Considered or Morning Edition, where he's going to talk even more about this. It's a good opportunity to build audience, to grow audience, to tell interesting stories, and to do it in a different way, and to show the value of what print reporting can do. What do you think, Kevin?
1: I think that guy was a touch hole. (laughs) Good job. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he starts off by saying, first of all, you didn't answer my emails, you didn't answer my phone calls, and I'm thinking the only reason you came here was to stalk her and ask this question, and then start off by saying, I can usually read the newspaper in three minutes, so good for you, 16 pages you got me to read. I think you can criticize any news organization for doing bad journalism, and you can criticize them for distorting things. Or and, stealing
0: stories. stealing has stories. Has happened in New Hampshire this week. Um,
1: but to say you're spending your money on the wrong thing is just a stupid argument unless you're running the newsroom. It's you not know? his money. It's, it's not. Yeah. And I think if, I don't know if it made the Inquirer money, but you would call that a loss leader where they spent resources and it was like the same amount of resources. They still got a, a great newspaper story out of it. Mm-hmm. And Amber wasn't doing this exclusively for a year.
0: No, she's just working on this. Oh, so.
1: she was. Okay, take that back.
0: Amber and Amanda. And
1: <laughs> so they worked on it. They put a lot of stuff in it, and they got you know a lot of bang for the buck out of it. But Laura's right. People are always upset about the thing that you're not covering, and or that the way you covered something. You you know you covered my side, but not as strongly as you should. And I just thought I felt bad for Amber. I thought she handled it well. I thought it was great to say well, essentially. Well, do you have a question to touch (laughs) hold? Toby, I think, has maybe a slightly different opinion than the rest of us. That's fine. And I'll just say... What else
4: is new? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we have a different perspective because we've been on the other side.
5: Well, yeah. I I mean, I, I worked at a magazine and we used to get stuff quite frequently, especially from conservatives, thinking that, you know, we were covering conservatives in a bad light. So we get a we get a lot of that stuff. I, th- I think the difference, and, and I don't know. I mean, I don't read the City Inquirer. I don't know what they have and haven't been covering. But I think there is potentially a legitimate point in saying, you're going to spend all this time on this old case. You're going to send two people on it. You're going to spend all this money. Does that affect your coverage of things that are actually affecting people's everyday lives that, that you need to have an informed electorate? And I don't know what the condition of Cincinnati public schools or whether they're trying to build a new stadium or or any of these other things that could be going on. But if they're getting short shrift because you're trying to make a mark in true crime podcasting, spending all this time on one case from from a while ago, I think there is a legitimate case to be made for. What are we trying to accomplish with our newspaper? And it's not it's not fair f- for her. Like, it's its not Amber's decision. I mean, she doesn't get to go and say, hey, you know, you're going to spend all this money on this thing. But I think it's a le- legitimate question. I think it was just directed at the wrong person.
0: I'll tell you, this came up a little bit last week and I got some flack for it via email. We talked a little bit about Sarah Koenig's weird, kind of bad podcast updates from the PCR hearing. And um, I made the point that I think the reason that the team sent her there was so that they could, you know, do some more podcasts about cereal. There is nothing wrong... With as Kevin called it a lost leader, because I don't think there were ads and accused, right? There weren't.
1: I don't think that. Yeah, I but wouldn't know if yeah, they made. Yeah, there could have been because that <laughs>
0: podcast had millions of downloads. <laughs> they could have monetized you. that. Sure, yeah. But it certainly was an audience builder for the rest of the stuff they are doing mm-hmm. because when you went to that Elizabeth Andy story online. PS, the other stuff that's going on in Cincinnati is happening right around it. And this is what, you know, news organizations are doing now. A to raise revenue, they need to have something that people actually want. It's one thing to go to sponsors for your website and say, Hey, you know, you get to be aligned with our uh, really great news coverage. I mean, I work in an organization that covers the state house better, I think, than anybody else in the state of New Hampshire but you're competing against news outlets that have more page views that have you know it, it's a tricky tricky matrix. So you have to make content that you can you can
1: monetize i think in any organization you can look at the person who's doing the one thing and wonder why that organization isn't doing the other you know whether you're talking about a newspaper or a government agency or the you know the police department and it's like why are you writing me a parking ticket when there're murderers to go out and catch <laughs> uh, but that's the problem with investigative reporting, that it is time-consuming yep. and it is expensive it's and important. it is not always fruitful. Right. And it takes a year to do it. And so if you're going to say you should not have investigative reporters because you didn't cover the planning board meeting in Pike County last week, that's a management decision. Does that really move the needle on whether the public is being served? But that's it. you're a different animal if you're doing an investigative story. You're not expected to be... Productive day after day. You make that commitment.
0: I would recommend, Toby, there's actually an interesting discussion about this very thing. I only played two minutes of that episode, but the editor talks about the issues that are raised in that podcast that are relevant and timely and tie into their other local reporting, such as, the district attorney's office not being transparent.
1: Oh, yeah, that guy.
0: And a lot of the issues that sort of came from this reporting that they're able to then apply to other stories they've been covering. It was very interesting. But, Toby, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're having the exact argument here in this podcast that people who run newsrooms have every single day across America right now. Yes or no, Kevin? Yes. All right. So I think we should move on to the criticism part of our uh, podcast. The, the meat of our podcast are bread and butter. Uh, we are going to talk this week about the podcast from wvik suspect convictions before we do Kevin uh, before we get into the meat of it, I understand that you do have one pet peeve about suspect convictions that you want to air well
1: it's about part of the the production value and we talk. we just talked about like monetizing the podcast yeah one of the things that they I think that they could really improve on is the way that they do their ads yeah they're so abrupt it's like right in the middle of of, like, a sound bite, all of a sudden they're doing an in ad. In between for, paragraphs. Yeah, right. They're doing an ad for Simply Safe. Well, how would you do it? I would do it like this Thousands of people seeking home security get ripped off every day. Wait so. a minute,
0: wait a minute. Do we actually have a Simply Safe ad in this Are podcast you right now? Absolutely. Simply me? Safe was built by
1: <laughs> Harvard educated engineers just to make you safer.
0: Wait, I think you need to re say that. If this is official, we should actually do it for real.
1: Yeah, it's wireless and portable <laughs> and with a cellular connection built in. It has no contracts. There's no commitment or lock-in period. You get professional monitoring with police dispatch, so your home is safe around the clock. And best of all, with Simply Safe, twenty-four-seven protection is just fifteen bucks a month. Most wow. places charge about three times that. So, don't look to criminals to protect you from other criminals. <laughs> get what we're saying? Instead, arm your home the smart way with Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash criminal to get 10% off your system today. Wait, criminal? Yeah, there's another podcast called Criminal, you think that they. But
0: that's our promo code, CRIMINAL. Yes, it is CRIMINAL. Okay.
1: We're going to get all the credit for that. Let's make it clear. That's awesome. Seriously, visit simplysafe.com slash criminal. And get 10% off your system today. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash criminal. Nicely done. That's the way you do that.
0: That's the way to do it, guys. Take that feedback. Apply it to your <laughs> next podcast. Anything else you want to talk about, Kevin?
1: Yeah. You know, I, like I say, uh, while you're home or while you're away, after you you'll lock up your house and it's nice and safe and secure.
0: <laughs> Without criminals. Without criminals. Anywhere in sight.
1: And you decide, I'm going to go for a walk in the woods. I'm going to take a drive. Why to take along a great book like one that you can get from Audible.
0: Oh, Audible, our old friend.
1: Our old friend Audible is my back. best friend. Yeah, definitely <laughs> your best friend, Rebecca, because if you're not listening to a podcast, you are listening one to of uh, one of uh, about a billion audiobooks. No,
0: basically, I only listen to audiobooks now and I don't even talk to my family anymore cuz I walk around the house with headphones <laughs> on all the time listening to audiobooks. Well,
1: there are people just like you it's your at the fault. gym, driving their car, out for a walk with Making the dogs. Dinner. Audible has audiobooks from the leading audio Book publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazines, and newspaper publishers. And their app is free and works on all kinds of devices iPhones, iPads rotary phones. I can't actually back that up. But over 500 different MP3 players. And unlike a streaming I still service- I don't think there are
0: 500 different MP3 players. With
1: Audible, <laughs> you own your own books. Now, how about, Rebecca, tell everybody what a great audio book that you're listening to right now from Audible.
0: I 100% blame Toby and Laura for this, because the thing is, once I read one book by an author, I have to listen to the rest of them. You guys talked about Tana French and The Trespasser, which was so good. So then, of course, I had to go way back in time and get the rest of the Tana French Dublin Murder Squad series. Start from the beginning. Each novel is from the perspective of a different detective. It's super good, super compelling. I'm on, like, book four now. There's only one more to go. And then... I had to find another series to listen to, but I love me some Audible. I love it.
1: Laura, do you have a audiobook recommendation you could make?
4: I do. You know, it's funny. I just downloaded a new audiobook. One of my favorite regional um, mystery writers is Archer Mayer. He lives in Vermont, and I love his joke on Thermistories. He knows Vermont. That's where I grew up. And he just really nails the people there and the culture. So I actually just downloaded number 26 in the series, The Company She Kept.
1: Toby, while you were on the side of the volcano trying to get a good night's sleep, what audiobook were you listening there to soothe your mind? I was listening <laughs> to
5: The Chirping of the Monkeys, but if I had been listening, on the drive down to the airport, I was uh, listening to the Area X trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. It's sort of an ecological science fiction it's hard to describe, but it's really good. Just take it on trust.
1: So Audible has this and many more. Just for our listeners, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial membership. So go to com slash crime today and start your free trial today. Again, show your support for crime writers on and get a free 30-day trial at com slash
0: crime. You will not regret it. It will become your entire life when you're doing the laundry, everything. It's incredible. All right. Now it's time to move on to our real suspect convictions discussion. Suspect convictions. I want to make one correction. Last week, because I kind of heard the branding of the first few minutes of the first episode, um, I thought that NPR was a partner in this podcast. It is not. Suspect convictions is a podcast by WVIK, which is a... Public Radio Affiliate Station in the Quad Cities area, and NPR is part of their station's branding, so Mm -hmm. that was my bad. Sorry, I didn't mean to mislead anybody, so... Suspect Convictions. WVIK and journalist Scott Reeder team up to produce the podcast. It is a show that begins with Scott Reeder talking about a case he's been tracking for many years the 1990 murder of nine year old Jennifer Lewis. A couple of big things you should know off the bat about this podcast. One, that Reeder is the reporter who was on the scene and found Jennifer Lewis's body while reporting off of a police scanner for a local newspaper. And two, the central suspect in the case, Stanley Liggins, was twice convicted of this murder and had both of those convictions overturned. He's now set to go on trial a third time for the crime. And one particularly awful detail of the case is that when Jennifer Lewis's body was discovered, it had been set on fire in a field next to a local school. So it's a pretty graphic and awful case. And the podcast looks at the possible wrongful conviction or just the case around the conviction, the two time conviction, and now new trial of this suspect Stanley which is basically how they refer to him in the show. So I just want to get the one thing out of the way quickly because I know it's going to come up and that's the production value and the production issues around the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to weigh in first. I'm going to give you guys all permission. Oh, all right. I'm going to do the pick and roll here as Toby might say. <laughs> the first episode of the show does not sound to me good. It is a basically a two way with Scott. It took me a little bit of time to get kind of through it. It really does pick up I think after the first episode. Number two is the use of music and the narration in the show. Exactly. <laughs> um, let me put it this way: I would love to have a few hours to work on this show, and it could sound really, really good. And I just feel like it is a a handicap of the show a little bit. Am I crazy for thinking that, Kevin?
1: No, I I, I don't think so. I think the story in of itself is good. We'll talk about that. And yes. We're it,
0: talking about the production dies yes, right now.
1: But this reminds me of having like chicken Kiev on a paper plate. That's it. It's like a nice meal just served up <laughs> very very plainly and and um yeah, I think the production value really suffers and I think we get into whether or not, you know, this should be Scott telling the story.
0: Right. That is my other concern. I'm going to voice it now is that uh, Lacey Garmana seems to be a really diligent reporter. Like the reporting in this podcast is outstanding in terms of the sourcing and the voices and like the right people and the right information that's in it. And let me throw this caveat out there. I have a real personal problem with anybody who writes me an email or writes our newsroom an email about my voice or any person's voice on a podcast, because usually, actually always, it's about a woman. And I do think there's a whole sexist bullshit thing around the way women talk and around our speech patterns. I got three emails this week about vocal tics I have on the podcast. You know what? No one ever writes those emails about Toby or Kevin and no one ever writes those emails about male reporters. So I just think the whole thing about the way someone talks is bullshit. Let's take that off the table. That being said, Lacey does not sound like she's interested in telling this story to me.
4: And Laura, what do you think about that? Is that a crazy thing I just said? No, I agree because I like the the parts of the podcast that I get drawn into are when Scott is talking and he's invested and then all of a sudden her voice is there sort of as a transition and it's almost like she's just reading something to transition because this is what they thought they were supposed to do at that point. So it, it doesn't flow to me the way that she's breaking it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually think she's been
0: doing a lot of that reporting and producing. And I did email a little bit with Scott and asked him. I asked him that question, you know, how does this work? And he said, you know, he's on the road a lot. The station is far from his house. She's doing a lot of the heavy lifting reporting production research. And she's a radio professional and I'm a print
4: reporter. But I like his voice. I would love to hear him tell the story. He's the one who found the body, right? That's the compelling part of the story is that he found the body and this case has stuck with him these years. And now he's coming back to it because, you know, that's the compelling part. That's what I think would draw you in more. I
1: would say he found the body. I think he saw the body at the the crime scene. He was one of the first. But he is a much more interesting person. And I think I don't want to disparage Lacey. I don't know really how much journalism she's doing but he's doing an awful lot in his I mean he went to New Orleans to look for Joe and he's talking to homeless they, they people could be doing it he's, together yeah
0: I see I, I don't I don't feel like it's a lazy problem I feel like it is a production problem well like that, it's a, I
1: think there's two things going on editing, I think you're right
0: about I, I think that if he has the ability to be in New Orleans talking into a microphone, they could email him some narration that he could also be saying into a microphone while he's on that trip in New Orleans. And whoever is just putting it together could be weaving it so that if she's telling part of the story based on work that she did, which you do hear her in interview tape, she just doesn't have. And this is, again, it's not about her voice. It's not about it's, it's just about the feeling I have as a listener. I don't feel like she is the one delivering the story. She's just reading the narration on the page But all the right material is there. I don't know. Toby, what do you think?
5: I guess I didn't have as strong a reaction to her. You know, I was listening to it and it just seems I feel like I'm so used to hearing the narrators of these true crime podcasts like make a fair amount of it about their investigation. And and so they become sort of, you know, characters in the story. And she doesn't seem that interested in doing that or if she's interested in doing it she's not doing it very well but i it seems to me that she doesn't have as much invested as in in making herself be a personality you know she's just she's sort of moving the story along scott seems a little bit more of a personality i'm kind of glad that he's not the main voice i sort of felt and maybe this is more of an editing thing but at the very beginning You know, there's just so much time spent about how awful it was to find this girl, which I have absolutely no doubt that it was awful. But I remember looking up and being like, man, we've we've been talking about this for about seven minutes now. You don't have to keep, you know, hitting it over the head. I kind of felt when he was trying to make things personal and sort of his visceral reaction and, and all this kind of stuff, it seemed to me like it was a little bit much. That's why it was good to have Lacey, you know, be stepping back a little bit and just sort of more moving the story along.
0: I don't think that all of the podcasts we've listened to have been that. I mean, if you listen, think about it, In the Dark. Madeline Barron was host, narrator, reporter. She wasn't in the story. She reported the story and she brought other people in. And I, But I actually agree with you about the first episode. The first episode to me is where I think a lot of our listeners, if they dive into this, will get lost because there is too much lugubrious fixation on his reaction. It could have been a very quick scene because he has a lot of other very interesting information to impart. All I think all you have to do and is other say- other people who were
1: there. I think all you have, have to do is say, thing.
0: exactly, all you have to do is say, I got a call from my editor. I was listening to the scanner. To There was a fire by the school and I went there and I saw a girl on fire burnt to death in a field. It was one of the worst days of my life. Boom, no. that's it.
1: No, I mean, I I didn't actually think it went on too long. I was interested in that. Episode two is really great.
0: I have to say, episode two and three and four, I actually really think it picks up. And I may make like small quibbling things about like, I don't really understand the music choices. I don't understand why... They have the and I think I think the ads are insertions in between paragraphs. I don't understand why they choose that or have more pauses. Like I have a lot of small production, like radio production quibbles. But in terms of the reporting, which I, let's just talk about that.
1: Thousands of people seeking home security <laughs> get ripped off every day. Stop you it. get locked into a long term contractor. Oh, wait, what was exactly. your promo code?
0: Just say you got to say it now. You've done Slash it. Slash
1: criminal. Simply simply saying. it's by the way it's s i m p l i. Safe, S-A-F-E, simplysafe.com slash criminal.
0: Criminal. All right. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Um, so let's just move on then. Let's. Can we just put the production stuff aside? Can we, we agree?
1: We can agree to put it aside. Okay, because yes. there
0: are a lot of good things also. I don't want to make it sound like it's all bad because it's not. There are a lot of good things to talk about in this podcast. One of the things about this podcast that I love is all of the sourcing every episode sort of focuses on a new aspect of the case a different aspect there's an episode about jennifer the victim's life there's an episode about stanley the accused life there's an episode about the trial laura you are an old school old timey print reporter Mm -hmm. for a long time Mm -hmm. what do you think about the content and the format and the reporting that's been done into each of these episodes
4: you know i liked it and i think I liked it because I, I'm used to following things that are told maybe in a more traditional journalistic way. So I liked it. It was broken up into sections based on different themes and different topics so that you got everything. And it was logical to follow, like... Okay, logically, what's the first thing we want to know about? Oh, the girl, Jennifer. And they had amazing details. Like I was like the woman that went to the house to give them the pool quote that gave her gum. I was like, oh my. That was incredible.
1: Yeah. Like how
4: did they find this woman? Yeah. It was amazing. The caseworker from social services. Yeah. That was really. So, you know, I liked being able to follow along. Um, you know, I've said this before. I, I get easily distracted when I'm listening to things. and But this was easy to follow for me. And I liked that it was told in sort of a, a logical, what I would consider like journalistically, like a logical format that was easy to follow.
0: Kevin, think about that Jennifer episode, right, about the victim. Mm-hmm. You have the mother, isn't it? You have like people who were in her life like her godmother, you have the teacher who taught her special ed- at the school, you have the guy person who came and gave the pool quote. Right. You have the pastor of the church explaining the economy, the local community and mm-hmm. like why they were so there were so many sources in each of these episodes. Did that stick out to you?
1: Yeah, and the whole thing to me is structured and flows like a true crime book would, which is why I think that Scott's fingerprints are all over this. And another reason why I feel like he should be more of the one telling the story it doesn't have to be uh the first person narrative this was the worst day of my life thing but i mean i think he's really they are laying the groundwork for what reads like a good true crime book and so i have to i have to assume that that is his influence over the production this is the arc start here tell us about the crime make us care about the victim tell us why we have to care about the victim tell us a little more about the uh You know, the complications and then the suspect and then what happened. I don't know where it's going from beyond that. But, you know, the stuff that he does, I like.
0: Now, Toby, I thought about you a lot when there was the episode about Stanley, the guy who was accused and tried twice. Both convictions overturned and now awaiting a new trial. They went way back in time to like Stanley's childhood and birth in Mississippi when they had the episode. They like traced his origin story. What did you think of that episode and the way they fleshed out this guy who was accused of this horrible crime?
5: It was good. What was funny is that once they started talking to, uh, I know we've talked about murder in um, Brunner and Belmont, the Sebastian Younger book before, and, and he spends a fair amount of his book on this guy who was he considers falsely abused, who will also spend time in Parchman Prison down in uh, Louisiana. You know, I find myself thinking about connections between those two stories, you know, and I think this is similar to Someone Knows Something, is that it is is a story about people who live their existence on the margins, very poor, a lot of drug abuse, selling drugs, just trying to keep your head above water. Which again, as I've said before, I think it is is probably more indicative of these sort of tragic kind of crimes than you know the John Bonnet Ramses of the world. so I thought that was good i I do disagree a little bit with sort of the general sense of things, and I guess we're we're falling back into <laughs> into that mode in that i I found it a little hard to follow exactly what the issues with the timeline and the crime were at times. So there was a time when one of the jurors was saying, like, the timeline didn't fit, but then when it turned out that if she'd been in the car the whole time, then it it all made sense and the timeline fit. I don't know what you're talking about. I I didn't feel like they'd laid out what that timeline was.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear you on that because that's not, for me, the important part about the trial and jury stuff was the timeline. The important part was a lot of other stuff in the trial.
5: Right, right. And I thought the stuff they talk about is good and interesting, but I didn't feel like I had a good enough sense of what the prosecution thought had happened and then what the defense was sort of countering with other than this idea that, you know, he's taking this sort of big city attitude just trying to tear everything down. So I just, I, I guess I kind of felt, I kind of felt like I'd picked up a book and turned to page 30 and started reading and it was a good book, but I'd missed out at the beginning. So I was never quite exactly sure what was going on. My main objection is, was it seemed to me they could have spent a little bit more time sketching out what was thought to have ha- happened. It's a, you can kind of pick up little bits and pieces of it, but there's no time where they say, OK, this is what he's accused of doing. This is what people who think he's guilty think is what happened.
0: Right. I, I wonder if we're yeah. going to go there at some point. Like, theories of the crime. That does seem to me to be like a piece that's missing here.
5: Mm-hmm. But why would you wait until that late? You know, we, well, we're talking that's about storytelling
0: problem. Right.
5: You know, we're already what? Almost three hours into this thing. And we still don't have like a basic story about what happened. He seems like he might have been able to do it.
0: What we have so far is the problems with the process, not the problems with the theory of the case. Like we don't have any compelling evidence why he didn't do it. We have compelling evidence why his trial was, by the way, totally fucked up, which one of the things I love about this podcast. And, you know, I think it's unique in this way. This is not a podcast that paints the prosecution as a villain. And I really, really like that. It's a podcast that includes the prosecutor in it. He's a prominent voice in the podcast. The defense attorneys in the podcast say they like the prosecutor. They don't believe he's guilty of misconduct if there was evidence withheld, which apparently there was. That's what one of the overturned convictions was about, that it was likely because of the police and not the prosecution. And he's basically just saying, here's what I had. Here's why I used it. And that sort of brings us to the trial and the process issues. I think the trial stuff is the meat that we kind of get to and the stuff that our listeners would really enjoy. If we could just talk about that for a few minutes because a couple of things happen in the trial episode. And one of them is a straight up Racist juror who, in his own words, is a racist juror. Are
1: you talking about the guy from South Africa?
0: Yes, whose wife was also a racist. It sounds like he's
1: from New Zealand or something.
0: He's from South Africa. He's a racist.
1: Where he went on and tried to explain that he wasn't, and he went on for like two minutes. Anybody who
0: explains why they're not a racist using any. We all came out
1: of Africa, and then we got white and got big brains. Those of us who had big (laughs)
0: brains. (laughs) And those of us should, had to look
1: for food because yes. it was cold.
0: Well, uh, Laura, what was going through your mind when you heard this guy just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper into the racist? Hey, you've
1: never seen a black polar bear, was his? Yes. You know, oh, second I just was going quote. so true. Okay, I'm, gonna so true. Bring,
4: I'm gonna bring it out, people. I was just saying, what the fuck is this guy really saying this right now? Is he really saying this in front of a microphone? And I'm like, what the fuck? I, and I'm like, he's really saying this. And I'm like. Wow! Like, I just couldn't believe that he said it in such a way that he didn't even realize how bad it was that he was saying this out loud. I think too much emphasis is being put on the fact that he comes from South Africa, because I feel
0: like as an audience member, we sort of feel like there might be a reason why he feels this way. He's, he's American. Like, he lives in America. He's lived in America long enough to have served on a jury for a case that happened in 1990, right? hmm He's giving an interview now in which he says... That African Americans?
5: No, he says all black people.
0: Black people look intimidating, and they just do. And it has to do with evolution, and it has to do with you know. I suppose I don't remember
5: the quote that way, but I'll take your word. uh, Am
0: I wrong, Toby? Did he not say that black people look intimidating?
5: Yeah, yeah, he does. And he says, you know, I lived in Africa, and you know, you know, like he's been around a lot of black people, so that would make him an expert. I don't know. I remember
1: him saying something about how. The, uh, the witness that yes. she was a black woman and so it, that made it more believable. Because if she they was all white, stick together. Yeah, that he would have, maybe she would be racist against a no, white person. No, he said and, yeah. the
0: black woman was more believable because you know how the
4: blacks stick together. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually wrote that down because I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that, I, I don't think that's, if somebody's saying, oh, that's a South African, that that's not an American attitude. It just is. You know, I mean, if if you spent any time looking into races feel like they have a scientific basis <laughs> for for this stuff and you can take a look like all you have to do is if you, if you go into Google and you query warrior gene
4: oh don't do that just,
5: just do that it's like this <laughs> it's like googling lemon party you can't but
4: your Facebook feed as a paid advertisement because they're gonna they're gonna target you if you search
3: for it okay
5: get get oh get God. somebody you don't like to look it up and then print it out for you but it's but it's <laughs> like this, it's this BS pseudoscience stuff about like a gene that makes black men more aggressive, you know, and it's what a
1: tough break for Stanley that he got the South African on his jury because there are no Americans that are racist. <laughs> and, you know, it would have been a completely different thing.
0: Well, let's talk about the other component of the trial that was totally fucked up. And Laura, I'm just going to let you go because I know that you probably have thoughts. You, you didn't even send me an email or anything. <laughs> Can we please talk about the fact that uh, there's a witness who saw a car that she identified as Stanley's car because one taillight was dimmer than the other. And then the prosecution was allowed by the judge to bring in a hoopty uh, high school auto shop reconstruction of said car dollied in on a hand truck as evidence in the courtroom. Go. Laura Bricker.
4: Oh, my. No, that is the most. This is this is almost as bad as the O.J. house being recreated. You <laughs> I mean like, Give
1: me the John Bonet <gasps> house?
4: Yeah. I mean, was there pineapple in this car? No. No, that was that was crazy. I'm like, it's such a distraction. I don't even know how anybody it's so prejudicial, I think, bringing something like that into the courtroom. I just I can't even imagine between that and the 77 police reports that weren't shared with the defense. I was just like. But you know what? The thing is, yeah, they made all these blunders. It doesn't necessarily mean he's innocent. It just means they fucked up the case in the way they prepared it. So, you know, but yeah, the the car, I want to see what that looked like. Well, also,
0: how is it proof... That the taillights don't work properly when they admit that they've deconstructed the entire car and rewired it again. It's insane. How is that proving anything?
4: The whole thing is insane. I mean, that was just like, well, because he had one taillight that was dimmer than the other, wasn't that – that we know that it must be his car. I'm like – Wow. OK, that's a bit of a stretch, I think, <laughs>
0: says the confidential informant who's been paid 80 times to give uh, testimony in trials. Yeah,
4: that that was it. The whole thing was just I was like, oh, my God. I mean, if you have a good case, don't do these stupid mistakes like that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is, we talk
1: about was probably the second best soundbite I've heard all year in all these podcasts.
4: Well, well I, if you say it's, it's from
1: the Crime second. Town, what do you think it is? Uh-huh. Raymond Patriarch and never heard.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: he. Ne- I forget the second half, <laughs> but it's the. Uh, it's. I didn't know it was Stanley. Now, when I first heard it, because I didn't have the context, I thought it was some jailhouse informant. Because yeah. to me, the word "kid" sounded like "keys," mm-hmm. so it comes off. I'm. might what is it? I, I might like, like cheese, cheese but, but I'm not, not a rat. rat. I like. like kids. I like keys, but not like that. I'm thinking. Wow, that's great. There's a guy who won't rat somebody out. When I found out, he said it was the suspect, and he said kids, and I'm like, and he rhymed his alibi in a TV interview.
4: That is fucked up. <laughs> Can I tell you guys? I once interviewed a witness who would only respond to me in rap lyrics. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Are you kidding me? And, and and I'd ask a question, and the person would rap their answer back to me. And I'm so like, So go ask, you know, ask me
1: a question. I'll be him. <laughs>
4: So, Kevin, tell me, what did you see when um, the police officer pulled over your friend's car?
1: Well, Laura, it's tricky. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around the clock. It's right on time. It's tricky. (laughs) (laughs) You can't touch this.
0: Those are both very, very...
1: The only ones I know.
0: Yeah, it's a very white guy rap quoting situation. All right, (laughs) now... (laughs) You get some m m you want to throw at us as well?
1: Laura, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, yes. but yo, I'm making money, see? So, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now, gather around. I'm okay. the new fool in I'm town. making the
0: quiet coyote hand signal for you.
1: My sound's laid down by
0: the <laughs> All right. That's going to be our next Patreon drop is Kevin... <laughs>
1: <laughs> doing karaoke of the Humpty Dance yes yeah. doing
0: karaoke of the Humpty Dance so yeah I, I think that we can probably all agree that we don't know whether or not Stanley I don't think they've done a good job making any case at all about Stanley's potential innocence right yeah
4: I think
1: I've gotten that far yet.
4: well there, there's I mean they talk I mean wasn't he already convicted of sexually assaulting another child that was right about yes. the same age I mean it's pretty prejudicial so far so I would like to know the other side of this yeah
5: yeah it seems like there's a, a far cry from what he did, not that it was not heinous in its own right, between that and what happened in this case. It, it's, you know, if he, if he is guilty or whatever, you can say like, well, yeah, then that makes sense. But it seems like it's hard to draw a direct line from, from the one to the other.
1: Well, then why not start with you, Rebecca, This for this time? Would you tell our listeners, would you recommend to our listeners that they listen to suspect conviction?
0: Well, one thing that's really interesting is that suspect convictions dropped five episodes instead of just dropping their first, which I think was a good call because now I just really want to know what's going to happen after this because I feel like our picture isn't complete. For our listeners, I would say it is a tentative thumbs up. I think that if you love podcasts, because they are entertaining and sound great and pull you in and are sexy you may not love this one. If you like a good well reported legal case and you're willing to put up with some imperfection to get there it's a lot of interesting legal stuff here. Really good reporting by both Lacey and Scott so I would say thumbs sideways.
5: Toby how about you? You know I kind of look at this podcast and I think you know, if this is a book and I handed it to an editor, I think what he'd come back to me with is you've got good stuff here, but it needs a lot of work. And yeah, so I, I guess I'm a thumb sideways because I think there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here and the kind of stuff that I find that I sort of advocate for people to look at, but it's, um there's issues with it. I don't think the storytelling, I guess, contrary to what some other people here thought, I didn't find it particularly intuitive the way things are laid out or particularly easy to follow just because I don't really understand what the case is so that finding out all this other information about people who are involved in it doesn't go to informing some central idea of what's going on.
1: Okay, Laura, give us your recommendation. Should our listeners... Take the time to download and listen to Suspect Convictions.
4: Um, You know, I would say for the people that that we have that listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, I think this is a good case. And that's why I would listen to this. If you can overlook the issues with you know, certain production issues and that the storytelling may not be quite as captivating as like some of the Gimlet, very flashy podcasts that we've listened to, this is a really interesting case. And what's going to make it interesting is that you're going to learn all this background, hopefully right in time for the next trial of Stanley Liggins to start. So it's something that you're going to be able to follow in real time as it's going along. And I think that that's going to be interesting because, you know, by that time, I would think you would have some of your own impressions as to his guilt or innocence. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: As for me, I'm, I I don't know if I'm actually saying thumbs sideways. Maybe I'm saying it another way. I'm going to say that I'm going to give it a
4: qualified,
1: yes, you should listen to it. And qualifying that by saying, if this were a used car, I would be selling it as is. No warranty. <laughs> um, oh, are, I'm saying that so, I, I'm saying that not everyone is going to like this. I am curious about where it goes. I really think that Scott, who I I think this is, would be a really great book that Scott is working on, and I think he's doing good. It looks like from the process he's putting together a good book. He's putting together a lot of elements that could make for a really great podcast. I think he's doing a good job really multitasking. And another thing that is really great at multitasking is the beauty product Kopari, <laughs> which is made from Jesus. 100% <laughs> organic coconut oil. Yeah, this okay. podcast is, is sponsored by Kopari. Ooh, Kopari. And they are this is a, not just a moisturizing cream. This is like the toolbox that everyone needs if you have dry skin whether or not you've got dark circles under your eyes this stuff is fantastic and it's made without GMOs or silicones or sulfates or parabens or all that other nasty stuff Kopari products are made with 100% organic coconut oil
0: I love me some coconut oil you know where they get the
1: coconuts uh they go to small coconut trees (laughs) yes (laughs) Coconut trees. <laughs> all right, let me let me narrow down my statement here. They actually go to like small family farms in the Philippines, uh-huh. and that's where they harvest the coconuts, and they take it back. So it's and-
0: not like factory farm coconuts.
1: No, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> They're like like really great co- free range, free range <laughs> free coconuts. Range coconuts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all great, and, and they have. S- some different products, but they have multiple uses. You've got the coconut sheer oil, which is great for being a, a, a facial moisturizer, mm-hmm. and the coconut bomb is good for like all those like rough spots that need to get smoothed over, like maybe the your heel, your knees, your knees, uh, your elbows in the middle your of the attitude. your attitude. Your <laughs> attitude. You can't rub it on there. The coconut crushed scrub is also a good buffer, and the body glow is an all-over shimmerer and the best the original thing is their coconut melt mm. and it's well Laura tell us about your experience already with Kopari because you've been using
4: it. I have been using it because in the wintertime my skin gets so dry. It's it's ridiculous. We have a wood stove in our house and so I get very dry and very itchy. So I was very excited when I got my my products in the mail. So I got this coconut melt and it comes, you know, and it's like a solid tub of coconut and it has a little scoop um, and it's, it's, you Don't know, eat it.
1: Don't eat it. Don't eat it.
4: <laughs> it smells so good, though. And that's awesome uh-huh. as well, because here we are in this cold, awful New England winter smelling like coconut, which made me very happy. Um, but it melts as you put it on your hands. And then, you know, after it soaks in, your skin is so soft. Um, I used it on my eyes as well because it said it would help my dark circles. And, um, and did I- it? I think it did. So yes, I'm feeling younger already. I have learned
0: something during the process of this Kopari uh, coconutting that Laura has been telling us about. What's that? She hates the word moist.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, don't. So I guess, Certain
4: people hate that
0: word. So I guess we just got to say, Laura, is her skin is a lot, is feeling more moist as a result of this Kopari. Right, Laura? Uh, yes. yeah, It's feeling
4: soft. <laughs> and moist. <laughs> Hydrated. <laughs>
1: You say Aloha <laughs> to the best skin and hair of your life. You can use it in your hair too. It'll be, will it be moist. Yeah, you can do like it a hair wrap. You
4: can put it in, and then they said leave it in for I like twenty minutes, and you're gonna have super soft hair. I'm trying that this weekend. I'm gonna try that for my son.
1: Go to Kaparibeauty.com slash crime. Say it again. Koparibeauty.com slash Kopari. K-O-P-A-R-I crime and that's K-O-P-A-R-I-Beauty.com crime. You keep interrupting me. <laughs> if I had one of those coconuts, I'd knock you on the head with it. But with love. You can get 20% off your first order at KapariBeauty.com slash crime.
0: KapariBeauty.com slash crime. All right. Now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this episode, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. <laughs> Man, this week it's both health related and it's local. My favorite kind of crime of the week. I don't know if you guys have heard, but our state is facing an outbreak of gonorrhea.
1: (laughs) Gonorrhea in the Granite State?
0: According to New Hampshire health officials, the Granite State saw an uptick of 250 percent. Well, Toby was in
1: Costa Rica, so we, (laughs) we know it's not him.
0: Of diagnoses of the sexually transmitted disease in 2016 with a reported... 465 gonorrhea cases. Now, for the educational component of our Crime of the Week, gonorrhea is caused by an infection with the Neisseria gonorrhea bacterium. It can be transmitted through vaginal, anal, and oral sex. It commonly, And by
1: Loris cat.
0: No, he, he did not. He had chlamydia. chlamydia. Oh, my goodness.
1: Well, give it time. Stampy will also get gonorrhea apparently.
0: <laughs> it uh, commonly infects the reproductive tract, including the cervix, uterus, Fallopian tubes in women and the urethra in women and men. Wait, you have a
1: problem with the word moist, and you're going in all this. I don't have
0: a problem with the word moist. That's Laura. <laughs> it can also infect the throat and rectum. While symptoms are present, they can include burning or pain with urination.
1: Penal, okay, we get okay. the point. Surge. We get the point. Yeah, yeah. And
0: lots of other things I want to talk about. T-M-I. I just want to throw a little educational component in that. <laughs> yeah, like Google it. All right. By the way, I got all this by the way, information. You, you can
1: rub a lot of capari on that. It's not going <laughs> to fix it.
0: I got all of this information from the state report on the gonorrhea outbreak. <laughs> oh, by the way. I read the whole thing today. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says gonorrhea is the second most commonly reported STD. But according to our state epidemiologist, Dr. Benjamin Chan, he says New Hampshire historically has had one of the lowest rates of gonorrhea infections in the country. So I guess something's changed. I'm not sure what. So here's my question for you, panel. As noted by Dr. Chan... It seems unlikely that VD would be something this state was suddenly overrun by. Laura's cat stampy excluded, of course. <laughs> but what is an even more unlikely scourge,
4: plague, or trend? that could hit our fair, granite state. Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. Um, I'm going to go with something that I think is really going to happen, and it's going to be like alien abduction syndrome. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Because, you know, I live in Exeter, which is the East Coast Roswell. We're waiting for our rightful spot in UFO history here. Um, And there's a lot of people who have had alien encounters, and I think there could be more, because something is really going wacky with the universe right now. So um, that's my prediction. What about you, Toby? What's a more unlikely likely scourge than the outbreak of gonorrhea that is hitting our fair
0: granite state
5: a more unlikely scourge than gonorrhea <laughs> <laughs>
0: No one has ever said that <laughs> you, sentence ever.
1: Would you put it that way?
0: <laughs> That's my new ringtone. I
1: don't know, scurvy? Scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> that was more likely.
0: What about you, Kevin? What is a more unlikely outbreak to hit the Granite State?
1: I think uh, Canadians running this way into the state. <laughs> There's that.
0: I was going to go with fashion forwardness and Ooh. style.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Only because That's if harsh. you look around at everybody in my family... In my workplace, in our neighborhood, in our state, we are all wearing those coats that look like sleeping bags right now. And that's just how we roll here in New Hampshire, right? Ooh. I just got a new one, and it is so warm.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's awesome. So did I. I could live in it. I used to have one of those cute long quilted coats with like a waistline. Now I've just totally succumbed to the straight up, straight up and down <laughs> sleeping bag style. Might actually one.
1: be a sleeping bag. With <laughs> it, arms.
0: Actually, it goes to my ankles. It's pretty great. We should probably end it on that note. Laura Bricker, I've got a question for you before I ask for your social media handle. I'm gonna do this in the right order this yes. week.
4: Is there a cat of the week? There is, yes. Do you want me to say that now? Okay. Of course I do. All right. So the cat of the week. (laughs) It's a sad cat of the week. R.I.P. Jane. 21 and a half years old. Owned by Megan Colucci. And Jane. Died of gonorrhea. (laughs) No. She died of old age. So we would like to have a moment of silence for Jane this week. R.I.P. Jane. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: god!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Ghost Cat.
0: <laughs> uh, Laura Bricker. If our listeners want to tweet to you, perhaps uh, and convince you to make it their cat the Cat of the Week next week, how can they find you Send their you on condolences. The
4: <laughs> it's at Laura Bricker.
0: And Toby Ball. I can't tell you how happy we are to have you back. Even though you are really, really tired and naysayery this week, it's been wonderful hearing your voice again.
5: It's been falling back into the old paradigm. I the like old curmudgeon. it. I of like me it. disagreeing with everybody about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like it, and if People our listeners like want to tweet to you and give you crap about being a cranky old man, how can they do that?
5: Uh, it's at Toby Ball N H
0: and Kevin Flynn. If our listeners want to find you on social media, how can they find you?
1: Place I've always been. It's at Kevin. P Flynn.
0: And if you want to send me a tweet or follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Our show is also on Twitter at CrimeWritersOn. And you can always send us an email at CrimeWritersOn at gmail.com. If you want to hear Kevin being forced to listen to the latest episode of Someone Knows Something... Oh, Sign God. up for our newsletter at CrimeWriterson.com or support us on Patreon right now at patreon.com/slash partners in crime media. Before you close your podcast app, please leave us an iTunes review. It makes a big difference. And check out These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order Podcast. This week's episode featuring Patrick Hines from the Broadway Backstories Podcast. I think it's the best one we've done. Yes?
1: One of them, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> our very handsome line producer is Henry Lavoy. Our theme music was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with their permission. This show was recorded in Square Egg Studio at Partners in Crime Media, a.k.a. The Closet in Our Basement, formerly known as Studio C. On behalf of all the crime writers, even Toby, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later.
1: Bye! Here's what the church has to say about Rebecca Lavoy. <laughs> Miss Lavoy, at least fifteen years past her prime, <laughs> is a known SP <laughs> and violent abuser <laughs> of nail polish. <laughs> She has been, she's allowed herself to be photographed in Mexico with fish <laughs> eating her feet. <laughs>